Hey there, friends. Welcome to The Link. I'm so excited that you've tuned in today. You know, we get a chance to talk about a topic today that really is a phenomenon that we're all experiencing in broader culture that sadly has crept into the church. Now, let me be honest, this is not a topic that I feel like I'm an expert on, but I think it's one that I'll grow from and I believe you'll grow from as well. It's called cancel culture. Have you heard of that? If not, today we're gonna to talk about what it means to live in a generation that's marked by cancel culture and how the church has been called to be boldly different. As always, I'm joined by a few great friends who are gonna to help to uh, navigate us on this journey. First off, Pastor EJ Swanson, you guys get a chance to see a whole lot of him if you watch online or if you come in person to our Troy campus. He is our pastor of strategic engagement. So glad to have you here, EJ. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and then Taylor Shepard, who's been with us before on the link. She's one of our directors for the collective ministry. So grateful for you, Taylor. I'm excited to be here. All right, and then Kevin Proberski, who's a newbie to the show. Uh, <laughs> Kevin is uh, working at our Detroit campus, one of the associate pastors there, doing such a phenomenal job. It's so good to have you, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, you're also a dad, too, so we get a chance yeah. to talk about how this affects young adults. You know, as a father of a teenager, I'm really eager to have this conversation. So, Taylor, I'll start with you. Let's define the term. What is cancel culture? And what's maybe new about it, but what is uh, maybe enduring that's always been a part of the human experience? Yeah. So cancel culture is this idea, this phenomenon that, especially in social media circles, mm -hmm. if there's somebody in your life that's saying things or doing things that you blatantly disagree with, right. or they mess up in a way where you idolize them or looked up to them or um, you know, put them in a position of influence in your life, and they do something, it's so easy with a couple clicks of a button to just cancel them. Yeah. And whether that's you know, in a really direct way where you're um, commenting on a post or um, you know, retweeting something that they're saying and breaking them down to the point where you're basically saying everything that their opinion is, I don't stand for, I don't represent, and I think they're wrong. It creates this like heavy grievance between people. And I think something that has been enduring over time and something that's always existed is this idea that, um, you know, the truth that I accept is what everybody needs to accept. Wow. And if you don't accept that, I can't have you a part of my life. And it was probably something that existed in, you know, interpersonal relationships that were face-to-face -face before yeah. social media. But when social media came out, yeah. it's this platform that yeah. everybody can have an opinion, everybody can speak their truth, but now we're realizing, well, I don't have to hear your truth. Mm -hmm. Because if, it, it's, if it's not true to me, I'm just gonna cancel you. I'm gonna turn you off. What you stand for is wrong. The mistake you made is affecting me personally. That's good and that's helpful. And EJ, I wanna talk about the effects in just a moment, but it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor, that some of the ways that we can describe it is a graceless culture. Yes. Um, and it seems to me it's, it's about more maybe than just me on an individual level canceling you, but almost going on a campaign oh, yeah. to get you canceled. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole retweeting of a person's mistake in order to get other people outraged. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really funny. It's, although I'm not in any way an expert on this, I do know the reality of uh, waking up in the morning and checking my Twitter feed and having 15 reasons to be angry mm -hmm. and uh, 30 different people to somebody telling me I need to be mad at. Yeah. And this is a part of the culture that we live in. So EJ, let's just talk about that again. Uh, Kevin and I are uh, raising teenagers, young adults, and I mean, what is the effects of this on them? Yeah, Chris, I, I, I think it's scary. 
I mean, it, all of us have, have seen it throughout um, you know, the social media sphere within yeah. our kids' schools, even within our workplaces, right? You say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, you tweet the wrong thing or post the wrong thing. It can even go as far as you're wearing the wrong thing, yes. you're voting for the wrong person, and it can completely dismantle someone's yeah. life. Yeah. And, and we've seen that. We've seen people um, you know, who have gone to the nth degree of you know, being uh, at the brink of taking their own life yeah. because of the pain that could be caused um, by us canceling one another. I think for some people, it also puts them into a, a constant state of fear where they walk around every day. I can't ever share my opinion. I can't ever say something like that again. Should I even say something? So they walk around every single day on these eggshells, not knowing what to do. The physical effects of that, yeah. being so worried to be honest with who they really are, who God created yeah. them, and even how they're seeing a perspective, which all of us know the world so greatly needs. Yeah. You know, other people's perspectives on things get shut down so quickly. You know, um, the, the story could be told of, you know, the, the guy or girl that through years and years and years of being in the same place, either maybe church or school, makes one bad mistake. Yeah. And that mistake, we've all heard it, right? Yeah. Stays with them for the rest of their life yes. because of this cancel culture. And it happens over and over. Yeah. And um, it, it's really scary, Chris, right now, what that then leads to yeah. in people, the depression, the anxiety, the guilt, it, it's terrible. Yeah, and I said young adults, obviously it's broader than that, but as we talk about young adults, I just recently read a report that over the pandemic, one in four young adults have thought about suicide mm -hmm. uh, very seriously. And I do wonder how much plays into that. But let me just talk about another demographic, and that is leaders. Mm -hmm. Like as a leader myself, and I'm sure you guys experience it as well, uh, yeah, there is this sense, and I feel like I'm pretty uh, uh, thick-skinned. Sure. I feel like I can handle uh, pushback. Um, but the reality is, is that I know a lot of leaders who feel like they're in a bubble right now where they're walking on eggshells and you can't make a mistake or there's going to be this vendetta against you, right? I think it's important, though, that we talk about the fact that this isn't just an issue happening out there. Christians are doing it, yeah. right? Yeah, and, uh, and I see it all around us, and I really uh, want to challenge our church family. How are we behaving, in particular on social media, when it comes to the people we disagree with? Like, it's one thing for us to be able to say, hey, I disagree with this for these reasons. It's another thing when we're going on a campaign to literally destroy someone. You know, when I think about scripture, Kevin, um, there's a lot the Bible talks about in grace. Just talk a little bit about that. Uh, what does the word of God uh, say to cancel culture? Yeah, I think there's a lot you could choose from from here, right? I mean, Jesus was constantly confronted by, by the Pharisees. And there's one story in particular where he's confronted by the Pharisees that come and bring a person and set, them, set her in, in their midst, a woman caught in, in sin and caught in adultery. And it's really interesting there. I think there's a couple things you can see that really stand out to me. And the first one is, is that the Pharisees really have no concern for the person, right? They don't really want to see her restored. They don't want to see her redeemed. They don't want to see her forgiven. In fact, she's just a means to an end, right? They have a they have a particular goal in mind. That goal is to really catch Jesus in some kind of snafu where then they can point their finger at him and cancel him, right? Because their means is to cancel her. They want to stone her. 
And the second thing is Jesus' response, I think, really leads us in the best way possible. And he basically tells them, whoever doesn't have sin can throw the first stone. And, and essentially what he's saying is that, you know, own your own part. Yes. Own your own sin, right? Acknowledge it. Understand that you are no different than the person you're trying to cancel. Yes. I think that's just so powerful for us yes. to know that. You know, when I think about what you're saying, Kevin, I think about all the times through Scripture where God shows grace to maybe even people that others felt like didn't deserve it, right? Zacchaeus, he comes down, hey, hey come eat with me today. The woman uh, caught in adultery. But I also think about you and me, you know? Uh, praise God that uh, my uh, forgiveness was not up for vote, right? <laughs> Um, but, but Taylor, is a big part of this um, maybe um, accountability? Because I, I think about the victims, though, mm -hmm. the people who have been legitimately mistreated. Is a big part of why people are calling out others? To, is it motivated by a desire to defend those victims who have been voiceless? There seems to be some space for that, right? Yeah, well, I think anything in our world that starts out as you know, well-motivated or a mighty cause can turn into sin so fast. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're broken people trying to accomplish things that are probably good, but in the end, you know, sometimes turn into something that's not, that's not right or isn't done the right way. And I think you're right. I think a lot of, especially on the social media platform where things have had started, where the injustices that we're seeing you know, to all different types of people in different types of scenarios. I mean, right now, a lot of what people are fighting for on social media is, um, you know, fighting against child trafficking yeah. and, and human trafficking. And this is a good thing. I mean, yeah. we, I think we can all agree yeah, that this is, a, this is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but it can quickly turn into, you know, taking somebody that maybe we don't have the 100% truth about their story or what's actually happening and breaking them down to the point where, like you said, they have no chance at redemption. They have no opportunity to um, kind of get back to the point where, where society sees them as a good person. When in reality, like you said, none of us are sinless, none of us are perfect, and we have to approach things with the goal of unity. Yeah. And if we're searching for justice, it has to be through unity. It can't be through destroying each other or breaking each other down because then we're not accomplishing our goal. We're creating yeah. a new problem. Yeah, I think about this whole phenomenon of just dehumanizing people in a literal sense of the word where we don't even see that there's a person here. And you guys mentioned that, that uh, this is about an issue um, or, or groupthink as opposed to seeing the individual. And I think, Kevin, about how the scripture says we're called to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. Um, the church needs to be different in this area, don't we? Absolutely. And, and I think that's the thing I think that disturbs me about cancel culture in terms of when we see it in Christians and out of Christians. I think we've almost treated our salvation as a ticket getting punched, right? Now we're in a waiting room. We're waiting for the ticket to get punched on the other side of the door. And, we, and the scriptures have no relevance to our daily life, to our daily conversations, mm -hmm. to the way we think, right? And see, that, Jesus is really calling out the way that they thought about their own righteousness, Right? They thought it was, it was so amazing in that their, their own strict adherence in the law was what gave them righteousness. Yeah. But Jesus is saying, that's not it at all. Yeah. Right? It's a relationalness to him. 
And so it's just, it's just so amazing. that I think we've just really lost sight of that as Christians. And my hope is that we would get back to what you're saying about having grace and having our words saturated in grace, understanding who we are first, and then that the person that we're trying to cancel, they're the same as we are. Yeah. God sees yeah. them the same. Yeah, yeah. And, and when we start seeing our humanity in light of who he is, then maybe we can begin to see the humanity of, uh, of the person that we are so uh, upset with. EJ, you know, I think about some examples of this in recent history. Drew Brees comes to mind, yeah. right? So here, Drew Brees, who has done a ton of work in inner city New Orleans, cared for a lot of black and brown kids growing up in that, in that community, says, uh, hey, I don't uh, kneel for the uh, national anthem. I'm not going to kneel. And the next thing you know, it wasn't just his, his black teammates that pushed back on him. Uh, broadly, culture pushed back on him. And, uh, and I felt like, yeah, maybe he could have uh, been more thoughtful in the way that he responded to that. Maybe he should have uh, had more dialogue with his teammates. But I felt bad for him because it felt like what people were saying is, you're no longer allowed to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about it, you know, with LeBron James as well, where it's like this uh, statement that was made uh, uh, maybe a year or so ago, just shut up and dribble, right? And just kind of play your sport. These are just some examples, but it seems to me, EJ, that this stuff is happening all around us all the time. And it's not just one group. It seems that we all can fall prey to it. Yeah, I think, you know, within that, Chris, it's not just one group. It's even who we associate ourselves with. Right. It could be our place of business. If our place of business says that someone matters yeah. and we believe or don't believe, but we work there, yeah. we could get canceled because of that. It, yeah. it keeps going, right? It could be with the group of people, our you know, political thoughts, our non-political thoughts, just all across the board. And you know, you referenced a couple of pro athletes. Yeah. And a lot of times we think that this just happens to those who are high, highly paid, highly yeah. visible, and it's not. We're doing it within our own families. Yes. People are at war right now over the things that we're saying. And you know, you mentioned Drew Brees and him not even getting an opportunity to defend himself or yeah. correct himself, yeah. right? And that has been longstanding too. Something that somebody's done 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that was very ill-intended, yeah. was not in, in what we would say was holy or righteous. Yeah. And yet, even though God has redeemed them, there is no longer the redemption of that. Yeah. And, and my fear that, that as we talk about believers inside the church, outside the church, is that we don't even offer that opportunity for, for discourse for healthy discourse amongst believers, loving each other and extending grace to say, I think you may have this wrong, or I, I think you may look, need to look at this differently. We're not doing that. Yeah, so let's get real, all right? Let's talk about how do we navigate then in a cancel culture world, because what some people are gonna do is they're gonna hear us and they say, you know what, you guys are right, so I'm just saying nothing, or I'm just gonna try to uh, get through life unscathed, right? Well, the problem with that is that we have been called to speak, right? It seems like to me that uh, scripture is very clear in Ephesians 4.15, we gotta speak the truth in love, right? So Taylor, some tips, some advice. What, what advice would you give for us to be able uh, to engage in a culture like this? Because we still have to share our faith and speak truth. Yep. I think 
first and foremost, um, understanding whose you are yeah. and who you are. Yeah. I think, you know, if you mm-hmm. understand that you are a child of God and, and you're approaching any type of situation online or in person yeah. um, with humility and respect for the other person, but you're embracing truth for what it is yeah. and you understand the scripture that's, that you're bringing to the table yeah. um, for whatever context that is, then you have to have the confidence in those things. And that has to be your foundation. You cannot put a foundation under you of your opinions or your feelings or your emotions because those things change. And those things may not be relevant to the person that you're talking to. And I think, you know, that's step one. You gotta build your foundation. Step two is, I personally think that this idea that we can have a meaningful, conversation about what you think is true and what I think is true online is bogus. Mm, yeah. Like, <laughs> how am I supposed yeah. to fully understand what EJ is saying online without actually sitting down and seeing his face? Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with people over the past couple of months who have been very vocal about what they think about current, you know, culture and what's happening. Yeah. And I was very proud of one of my friends specifically who a lot of the people in her life disagreed with what she was saying. And she intentionally said, let's go get coffee. And the people that wouldn't go get coffee with her, she was saying, okay, this is, this is the place that you're taking in my life. That's okay, you disagree with me, but I'm gonna invest in this person that wants to have a conversation with me and talk to me about it. No, I think that's, that's beautiful. And the one thing I'll say about social media is that, oh, by the way, there's like a thousand people looking at your argument. Yeah. And which one of us wants to lose an argument when the world is watching, right? right? And so just for keeping face, we're gonna kind of press in. But I do appreciate, you know, Chuck Colson, who I appreciated so much, used to have this rule that I adopted in my ministry, and that is he tried his best to call back every person who uh, wrote him a letter or sent him an email that was critical mm-hmm. of the ministry. His goal was to call them back so that he can have a conversation. And I've tried to do that in my ministry, and I will tell you that, I don't know, upwards of 90% of the time, what started out as maybe a disagreement or a misunderstanding turns to a friendship. And, um, and reconciliation. All right, uh, Kevin, I know you're an expert on this, but what advice would you give to people on, yeah, how to navigate through this? I think it's a, such an important question, and I think identity, I agree with you, Taylor, 100%. Identity has to be something that is a foundation for us. I think when it comes to grace, we can give it, but we also need to speak it, right? We need to speak grace. Our, our words need to be saturated in grace. And it reminds me of what Paul says in chapter four in, of his letter, uh, to the church of Ephesus, and he talks about building one another up, not letting coarse talk coming out of your mouth, but it says so that the grace can be heard, yeah. right? And so there's a power in, in the grace of our words that it, when it hears, it saturates the soul and, and it really soothes the soul. And I think you can't do that online. You're absolutely yeah. right. That has to be done face to face. And I think what you said, Chris, reconciliation, that's hard work, but that takes two people. Right? We can forgive for the things that we're hurt by when people try to cancel us or when, when people are canceled, they can forgive. But reconciliation, that means we got to both come to back to the table and we have to talk. So you ha- there has to be relationship context there. Yeah. Okay. So know your identity in Christ, right? Make sure you're modeling grace and in particular speaking it. 
All right, EJ, yeah, you're I, a sage. Yeah, I, I wish. Um, but thank you for even saying that or mentioning that. Can, can we have that whole clip just read down one go. more time? You know, I, Chris, I don't know that we have the opportunity all the time to sit face to face. Mm. I think there's a, a really key component in there, though, is it definitely doesn't need to be public. So if you are on social media or a thread or an email chain, at least talk to that person privately. Yeah. If that needs to be a, a you know, phone call, if it needs to be you know, an additional opportunity to talk to them privately, we've gotta do that. I think so many of these cancel culture conversations spin out of control when it's not only the two of us in a disagreement, but we see it happen all the time on our social media feeds, right? Yes. Then another person who doesn't even know that person chimes in and stirs the pot with their opinion yes. even more. And what was initially the, the problem gets drawn out so much further. When if those two people who did have a disagreement, right, that is the beginning of that cancel culture, would just step back and have some aspect of private conversation, whether it's face to face and where you can really see that emotion in the heart with one another and hear and listen well, can't be had we can at least do it privately so that it doesn't spin out of control. That's good. So you guys have given some really good advice. I'll add a few tips on from, from my opinion. Number one, I don't think we should ever repost something just to perpetuate outrage. Mm -hmm. uh, that if you're posting something just to get the masses as angry as you are about something, that's probably the wrong approach. Uh, if we're disappointed in someone, then we need to pray for them. If we don't know them, if we do know them, that private conversation, uh, treating them in a personal manner, one-on-one, -on -one, I think that's really huge. I think the second thing that we have to make sure that we do is to have, in addition to uh, strong identity in Christ, community. We gotta have a community of people who can keep us anchored because it's not a matter of if but when, you're going to be on the other end of that. And praise God, I, you know, I say to myself just about every day, well, at least I know Yodi Brooks likes me, right? At least I know I get to go home to these sweet kids who are going to greet me at the door, right? And, and you know, I say that jokingly, but on a serious note, I got community. I, I have people, you know, parents and friends that love me. Um, I feel most concerned for those who don't have that because it can be a very lonely world in a digital age. And so hopefully people can have that as well. And I think the third thing is uh, if we're gonna be in social media spaces, and I would just recommend, don't get on the social media if you're not. Like Twitter's a dangerous place if you're not already there, Don't right? Now. Don't join now. <laughs> but if you're gonna be on Instagram, if you're gonna be on Twitter, if you're gonna be on Facebook, uh, be there for the good and not for the bad, right? So, uh, well, I appreciate you guys. I know we're just scratching the surface here, uh, but Pastor EJ, I would love for you to close us in prayer, um, but I think about all the sweet people who have experienced this, in particular, our, our young adults, um, our students who have gone through this, or those who live in fear. Uh, can we just pray, and in particular, pray for them? Yeah, certainly. Father, I, um, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about something that to some may seem so simple, yet to some may be the very terror that they're facing today. God, would you remind us today that um, Jesus and the culture that he brings throughout the scriptures is not the same as cancel culture. That he is one who um, met with idolaters and imposters and um, those who are wicked and wretched 
And when they made mistakes, you, Lord, redeemed them. God, may we be reminded that that is the God that we love and desperately loves us. God, whether um, we find ourselves today um, being on the, uh, the offense of canceling people, Lord, would you in our hearts right now uh, stir within us a, a sense of humility to seek out our brother or sister and ask why, to seek out um, truth and do that um, in love. Lord, uh, allow us to continue to abhor what is evil but cling to what is good and fight for those things that are unjust and unrighteous. But God, as we do that, Lord, may we build up one another and not continue with this cancel culture. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray too um, today that for those who feel like um, they've just canceled themselves because of their sin, God, that um, they are unredeemable, that um, no one has placed the cancel culture on them except themselves, that, God, you redeem all things. And, Jesus, I pray for um, their heart, for their salvation, and for you to come alongside of them right now and in these moments remind them that you are for them and you love them deeply, that they are yours. God, I thank you for this conversation for Kevin and Taylor and Pastor Chris. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I appreciate you guys. A couple of resources that we would love for you to uh, dig into to go deeper in this conversation. First, a book by a friend of mine, Dan Darling. It's called Away With Words. It's a powerful book about how we can engage in a way that is grace-filled in a social media environment. Secondly, a book by another friend of mine, Ed Stetzer, called Christians in an Age of Outrage. Uh, both of those titles will be in our postscript for this particular program. Also, please, if you're feeling overwhelmed or maybe even uh, on the other end of this, reach out to your campus pastor if you're a member of Woodside uh, so that we can support you through this uh, so that you can find loving community. And if you're not a member of the Woodside family, we pray that you will find a great church where you can find a community you need to know your identity in Christ and to be able to flourish in him. Well, for EJ and Taylor and Kevin, we're so grateful for you. And we'll see you next time on The Link.